helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to this edition of the Life Transformation Show. In last week's show, How to Conquer the Demons of Your Past, I outlined five signs indicating that a person is being haunted by past demons. In today's show, How to Conquer the Demons of Your Past, Part 2, I will present five strategies for letting go of the dysfunction and the generational curse or trauma of your past. Those of you who listened to last week's show will know that we use the story of Jacob and his family from Genesis 27 to 32 to highlight these points. Last week's show made it clear that the passage of time does not automatically heal emotional wounds. Twenty years after Jacob had escaped from his brother's death threats, he was still living in fear and acting out of the family dysfunction. It was also made clear in last week's show that running from your problem doesn't mean you can escape the psychological ramifications and the spiritual strongholds that these issues have over your life. Jacob was 500 miles away from his home in Beersheba, in a place called Padam Aram, but he was still terrorized by the demons of his past, still acting in fear and repeating the dysfunction he experienced at home. In last week's show, I also said that although Jacob had a vibrant relationship with God, he was still tormented by the past because he had not dealt with the past. Jacob was a man trapped in fight-or-flight mode. In trauma work, we often talk about the effect of trauma and the fact that it, it, it gets us into this state where we're always in a state of fight or flight or freeze. And we see that Jacob, the way he's living in Padam Aram, is acting as if he's in a state of danger, acting as if he's still trapped in the past trauma. Indeed, his relationship with God could help him to be free from this. But Jacob had not given this part of his life over to God. God wanted to heal him, but God needed Jacob's cooperation. Maybe if you were to ask Jacob if he was still affected by what happened in, to him in Beersheba, he would say, that's so long ago. I do not want to dwell on the past. However, God is not a God that wishes for us to run from our past. He's not a God who wants us to carry shame or guilt or to live in fear. God wants to set us free from the negative impacts of our past. He wants to turn our trials into testimonies. Jacob didn't have a testimony of triumph. 
because he was still living in fear of his brother Esau. After 20 years of silence, God intervened and said to Jacob in Genesis 31 verse 33, and I'll read, Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Yes, God wanted him to go back. God wanted him to face the very things that made him flee 500 miles away. God wanted for Jacob to overcome his fear, and the only way to do so was to face his fear. To be clear, let me just say at this point that I am not by this show advocating for abused women or men to go back into abusive or dangerous situations. However, Going back for an abused person could mean not being afraid to talk about what happened. It could mean working through the trauma they suffered. Going back for a sexual abuse survivor could mean breaking the silence about what happened and realizing that you no longer need to continue continue living in shame and guilt. Going back for someone who has suffered a life-changing trauma could mean seeing a professional to help you work through the psychological and the spiritual strongholds that the trauma has over your life. Sadly enough, there is a segment of in Christendom today who believe that as believers, we should never go back to the past. They say that you should just think about what is ahead of you. Just think about your life now in Christ and that you are not to think about the negative things of the past. Some people have been rebuked in Bible studies and prayer meetings not to talk about the negative things, the hurt that they have suffered in the past. However, if you are too afraid to face your past, too ashamed to talk about it, are triggered somehow by your past, you have not really left it behind. So, for example, a person who has not dealt with the control and emotional abuse of their parents may gravitate to churches in which they suffer emotional and spiritual abuse by the leaders. Also, Someone whose parents abuse their parental authority and who, and who hasn't dealt with the abuse that they suffered at the hands of their parents may find that they have a hard time submitting to pastoral authority of good church leaders or even to submit to God himself. These are all signs that the past has followed them into the present. In Jacob's case, 
the control and the manipulation by his mother conditioned him to put up with the manipulation and control of his uncle Laban. Yes, he had traveled 500 miles from Beersheba to Padam Aram, but he was still trapped in this mindset that made him become a doormat for his uncle Laban. Are your past demons still controlling your life in some way? Are you stuck in some dysfunctional pattern? Are you repeating mistakes that you have vowed repeatedly to avoid? In this show today, I will be presenting practical steps to help you work through past issues so that you can conquer the demons of your past and find the freedom that you have desired for so long. So here are the steps to finding this freedom. The first step is to identify the patterns of dysfunction in your life. And you may ask, how do you do that? Because some of these patterns are not immediately obvious. One of the things that we do at our workshops and with clients who come in to see us at our counseling center is that we have a worksheet that is called a genogram. And this worksheet is a family tree where you can uh, start with your grandparents and then you have the, the, the qualities of your grandparents, then the qualities of your parents, and then your qualities, and then you can see some of the patterns that exist in your family tree. So, for example, you may notice that your grandparents, your grandfather, for example, may have been physically abusive. Your dad may have been physically abusive. And you may see that as you go through the list that is on this genogram worksheet, that you also is abusive. And so this is a pattern. And when you see dysfunctional patterns such as abuse or addiction or promiscuity. These patterns help you to identify the dysfunction, the dysfunction that has been passed on from one generation to another. And we even in our in these worksheets you can color code these patterns and identify specifically which dysfunction you have been for that which dysfunction has been following you around, which dysfunction has taken hold in your family tree. So what if Jacob were to do a genogram? What would he discover about his dysfunctions and his family tree? So one of the things that Jacob would have discovered is that his dad practice favoritism. As a matter of fact, we could start from his grandfather. His grandfather, Isaac, practiced favor. His grandfather, Abraham, practiced favoritism because Isaac was his favorite son. And we see that 
when Agar had Ishmael, Ishmael wasn't considered to be a son of equal importance to Abraham. So the grandfather in the genogram, which would be at the top of the page, practiced favoritism. You come to the second line of the genogram where you have uh, Isaac, Abraham's son. And you see that Isaac also practiced favoritism. We are told in Genesis that Esau was Isaac's favorite. And so Jacob, the despised son, the son who was despised by his father, you would think that this son would realize how hurtful it is, how psychologically painful it is not to be seen as equal to your brother by your father, not to be treated equally. But that was not the case. We see that when it came to the next generation, that Jacob also practiced favoritism. He had his favorite son, Joseph. And so we see that in family system, there are trends like this that follow from one generation to the other. Jacob would also see that there is a pattern of manipulation and control. His mother manipulated and controlled him. It was his mother that got him to to deceive his father into stealing his brother's inheritance. But we see also that this manipulation and control also followed him when he went to his uncle because his mother's brother, Laban, also was a manipulator and someone who was very, very controlling. So these patterns are there. So the first step is for you to begin to look into your history, look into your life, look into your family history and see what are the dysfunctional patterns that's following you around. The second step is to count the cost. Had Jacob count the cost, he would realize that it's having a tremendous negative effect on his life. If he had counted the cost, he would see this dysfunction has caused me to be alienated from my twin brother. I haven't seen my twin brother for 20 years because of the dysfunction of my mother who caused me to deceive my brother. He would have seen that he separated. He would have count the cost and realize and feel the emotional effect that he's now separated from his beloved mother and from his father. If he had count the cost, he would see that he is now suffering at the hands of his uncle Laban because he's not able to be assertive, because he was so controlled by his mother that he lacked the assertiveness to stand up to his uncle Laban and to advocate for his rights. Instead, he allowed his uncle Laban to change his salary 
uh, several times and to treat him unfairly, change his salary in a negative way, not to give him increases, but to make it harder for him to earn a living. So, what's the cost in your life? What's the dysfunction costing you? Maybe it has cost you relationships. Maybe you have a, a, a trail of broken friendships, a trail of broken romantic relationships. Maybe you have a trail of churches that you are no longer a part of because you just cannot get along with anyone. Maybe you have a trail of jobs that you have lost. Maybe it's anger that is constantly getting you into trouble. In any case, you need to count the cost. And by counting the cost, I mean sitting down and writing this out and think about the consequences that it is having on your life. Michael will be right back. Genesis 31:33. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Michael has been using this scripture to speak on how to conquer past demons, part two. Please do continue to enjoy this episode. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling one 877 Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The third step is for you to revisit the past. And you may need professional help to do so because revisiting the past is scary. And by revisiting the past, as I said before, doesn't necessarily mean that you go back into a toxic relationship. It doesn't mean that you go back into a dangerous place. But what it does mean is that you need to face the emotional hurt, the shame, the guilt, or whatever emotion is there that has not been resolved. So revisit the past. And revisiting the past can be scary. In Jacob's situation, we can see the fear that that Jacob had when God told him to go back and face face his fear. So let's read a, let's read some of that in Genesis 32. Then Jacob prayed, "O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper." I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. And then he continued, Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. So here it is, that 20 years later, he's going back And he's saying, God, this is scary. My brother Esau is a dangerous man. He could attack me. He could kill me. He could kill my my wives and he could kill my children and my other relatives. And so here it is. 
that Jacob is in this place where he's transitioning from Padam Aram back to Beersheba on under the command of God, or by obeying the command of God, and he's saying, God, I am afraid. And I think for most of you, when you think about the trauma that you have been through, when you think about the the betrayal that you have experienced, when you think about the childhood abuse that you may have suffered, it is normal to be afraid to go back there. However, in the same way that God called Jacob to go back so that he could be healed, you also will need to go back. The only way that trauma is treated or the way that trauma is treated in most trauma centers, including how we treat trauma at Elam Counseling Services, is that the victim of the trauma has to be able to talk about what happened, has to be able to face the emotions, the fear, the guilt, the shame, and be able to work through it to find freedom. So God told Jacob to go back. Going back is scary. It may need professional help, but going back is necessary. Because in the same way that Jacob had to go back before God could bless him, here it is that Jacob was in Padamaram. He is wealthy in Padamaram. He has a family, but yet God still saw the need for him to go back before he could bless him. So you may ask the question, wasn't he already blessed in Padam Aram because he had wealth? Let me say that your wealth will mean nothing to you if you are tormented inside. Your wealth will mean nothing if you are carrying shame and guilt. That is why we see so many Hollywood stars or or so many uh, famous singers committing suicide are overdosing in some uh, on on, medic, on street drugs because they're carrying a pain that has never been dealt with so going back we have to go back to be healed we have to go back to be set free and we have to go back to be blessed so how do you go back you go back by journaling journaling, giving a detailed description of what happened, how you felt. Going back might also mean writing a letter, confronting the person who abused you. Going back may mean writing a letter to your younger self to say that you you should not be shameful for what happened to you. It was not your fault. You were sexually abused and you did nothing wrong. You were only a child. So going back can be done through these means. But as I said before, going back can be scary. And one of the most powerful ways that I know that a person can be successful in going back, as a matter of fact, the most uh, powerful way that I know to go back is to seek God's help to give you courage to go back. And we notice that when Jacob was going back, 
He didn't depend on his wealth. He didn't depend on his success that he had in life. He leaned heavily on God. In Genesis 32, it says that Jacob prayed and he said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives and I will make you prosper. So he's calling out to God and he's saying, God, I need you. God who have been there for my father Abraham. God who has been there for my father Isaac. And God who has prospered me so far. I need you because going back is scary. And so you can't go back in your own strength. You will need to rely on the power of God. Some uh, programs of counseling call this the higher power. We here at Elim Counseling Services, we see this as God and we say that you need to have this power from God to help you to go back. And some research that I came across from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs in an article in, in a section that is titled PTSD, the National Center for PTSD, uh, read as follows. So I'm just going to, 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 to read a section here. It says, aspects of spirituality are associated with positive outcomes even when trauma survivors develop psychiatric difficulties such as PTSD or depression. Research has also indicated that healthy spirituality is often associated with lower levels of symptoms and clinical problems in some trauma populations. For example, anger, rage, and the desire for revenge following trauma may be tempered by forgiveness, spiritual beliefs, or spiritual practices. So this is not a church article. This is not some religious organization. This is the department, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, quoting here, uh, right, having here on their website information that say your spirituality can be a source of strength as you seek to go back and to deal with the past. And the fifth and the final point is to write out and draw your future. So I'll explain what that means in more detail when we come to the draw section. But the first part of that is to write out a statement about what you would like your life to be like. You may want to stand on Bible passages that can you, you can use to anchor your faith, promises that you find helpful that God has made. And we see Jacob doing that in Genesis 32. You know, I've talked about his fear, but we can also see that he's anchoring himself in God's word because in verse 12 of chapter 32, there is a but. He didn't just stay with the fear of being killed. He said, but you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. God always has the last word. 
And so after your fear, after writing out about all the effects and the negative things that have happened to you, writing out uh, aspects of a faith that can be helpful in you creating a new future is very powerful. Write about what you would like your future to be like. And you can also draw your future. You can also draw your future using stick drawings. You don't have to be an artist to do this. There's an example of that in a TED Talk video called The Drawing Out Process by M. Emily Eldridge. And it's very simple drawings, but drawings can be very powerful in helping you draw what your new situation is going to be like. I wish I had more time to speak more about that, but we have quickly come to the end of today's show. So I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Life Transformation Show. I want to remind you that part one is on our YouTube channel, elamcounselingministry.com. And I want to pray that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.